Welcome England fans! This is the Three Lions podcast, the podcast for England fans by England fans. My name is Ryan Power and today we are going to be celebrating England becoming world champions for the second time in just six months after our horrific 51-year wait. Okay, it may not be the senior side, but we're going to take it all the same and cling on to whatever slim victories we can possibly get. Today in the episode, we're going to be celebrating the Young Lions um, as they become the first country in history to win three major men's underage tournaments in a single year. Quite incredible stuff. Um, And also Gareth Southgate has named his squad for the upcoming matches at Wembley against Germany and Brazil um, with a few selections leaving a few people scratching their heads. But of course, that is nothing new. That's all coming up in this episode number 12 of the Three Lions podcast. Let's go. So we are back again. It's episode 12, would you believe now? Um, And as mentioned, today we're going to be running through the under-17s. We're actually reflecting as well on the terrific performances from the Young Lions this year. Just to recap, in case you've been sleeping under a rock somewhere this summer, um, we have not only became runners-up in the under-17s UEFA European Championships, we won the Toulon Tournament, We won the Under-20s World Cup. We won the Under-19 European Championships. And now we've won the Under-17 World Cup as well. Quite incredible. Um, Russell Osborne is with me. Good evening, Russell. Champione, champione. (laughs) Well, quite. I was thinking that I might be in that list of winners too. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> well, it's quite a it's quite a list, isn't it? Isn't it great? What a great feeling. We are World Cup winners at all those levels and, and European um well runners up as well. But yeah, the feeling of being an England winner. Absolutely unheard of. It's not really something which many of us are used to or even sits that comfortably with us, really. I think we've almost got used to boot well, really, I think we've actually got used to disappointment and it's almost expected now. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, I think now the the younger teams are getting a lot more publicity from uh, national press, from social media, uh, and various things. Well, like us as well, um, they're getting more exposure. That we are we're aware of the the winners now, and, and they're thinking, you know, this is the progression through, and hopefully we can have a uh, a senior team add into that roll call as well. Absolutely. I mean, as you say, I've never seen. I don't think so much. England football on TV as there has been this year because most of those tournaments were televised not all by British stations most of them on Eurosport but hey that's okay Uh, it meant that people get to watch it it's meant that many of these youngsters are now becoming sort of household names if you like Um, whereas in years gone by okay the under 21s might have had a game show and if they 
progressed particularly far. But aside from that, it was pretty unheard of to see. I can't ever remember seeing an under-17s game on TV before this year. No, I think you're right. And I think probably some of these players are benefiting from that exposure. I'm just thinking off the top of my head, James Sancho, who I'm sure we'll talk about later. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's let's indeed start with his team, because when we uh, came out last, last podcast, of course, the under-17s World Cup in India had started, but we were only two games through. Um, we already started off by uh, demolishing Chile 4-0 um, and squeezing past Mexico by three goals to two. However, actually, the reality of that was it was it was largely one-way traffic for a lot of that game. Um, but then, obviously, we've uh, we've had a few games since. So, um, so bring everyone up to speed for those that uh, that might have missed it. Okay, so yeah, after the Mexico game, we the last group game was against Iraq, who we uh, we annihilated four nil. Uh, goals from Angel Gomez from Manchester United. Arsenal centre-mind Smith-Rowe got one and two from Daniel Loder, the Reading player. Um, saw us top that group and go through to the round of 16. I mean, could, uh, you, ima- could you imagine England seniors scoring 11 goals in the group stage of a World Cup? No, no. no what? Me neither. <laughs> it would just be unheard of, wouldn't it? I mean, the sort of scores they're running in is just... I mean, well, yeah, in many of the games, it was just goal. They were all goal fests. That's right. In, in many of the games and many of the levels of the mm. uh, the age groups. Uh, yes, you're right. So we went through to the round of 16 um, where we played Japan. And this probably proved to be the hardest game um, out of all the games that we played. Nil-nil at full time. We then went on to penalties again you're thinking oh no penalties England and that same we can't have that in the same um, sentence can we we know how it's going to end well this yeah. time it ended 5-3 to England we won 5-3 on penalties now uh, which... tell me do you think part of the let's call it a penalty hoodoo for want of a better expression that the seniors always get lumbered with and it always gets mentioned, doesn't it? As you, yes. know, as you just paid reference to it there, but particularly with the senior sides, um, quite a lot of these young youngsters have now played. We've had a few penalty shootouts this year and we've come out on top in almost all of them with the one exception being the, uh, the European final. Um, mm. Maybe, just maybe, they're going to have a different mentality towards shootouts by the time they all become seniors. Quite possibly, yeah, the mentality. Perhaps there's, I don't want this to sound wrong, but perhaps there's not as much pressure um, on them. Um, But they've obviously got a a winning mentality with regards to penalties. And hey, perhaps they even practice them. Well, there's a novel suggestion. (laughs) I've no idea whether they do or don't, but you never know. (laughs) So uh, after squeezing past Japan, uh, that put us in the quarterfinals. I did. We faced the uh, America. This was only two days later. Uh, finished USA 1, England 4. And this was where one Rian Brewster sort of emerged and became the uh, the player of the tournament, really. Hat-trick from Rian here, the Liverpool player. And one from Wolverhampton Wanderers player, Morgan Gibbs-White, saw us past the Americans. Excellent, which uh, which is no mean feat as well, because you know they pumped a lot. Of, they pumped a lot of money into their youth, into their youth teams and youth systems over in the uh, the good old US of A. So I'm sure uh, they were crying into their stetsons at that one. 
<laughs> yeah, well, and as well, they're pumping a lot of money into American football, as you say, um, and they, uh, the American side, of course, didn't make it to next year's World Cup. No, that's so, right. Um, there's uh, a lot of work to be done over in America, all that money that's going into it. That's right, uh, yeah, of course, and it cost Mr. Klinsman his job, didn't it? That's right. Anyway, I, I digress there. Um, so we moved on to the semi-final, place Brazil. Wednesday, the 25th of October, we're thinking, oh, Brazil. We'd already played Brazil um, previously, and I've, I've got a feeling that ended 2 all. This was in a uh, previous game, maybe back in June, May time. Um, another hat-trick from Rian Brewster. Saw us 3-1 past Brazil. Now, little stat for you. Do you know only two players have ever scored three goals in a World Cup semi-final? Obviously, Rian Brewster is one of them. Any any ideas for the other? No, no idea who. No? How about if I was to say Pele? Who's he? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, uh, yeah. that's some company to be mentioned in the same sentence as Pele. Then, uh, then that's a decent effort, isn't it? Yeah, well, I think he's got a, uh, he's got a big future ahead of him. Yes, definitely. So, yeah. so that, that put us through uh, to the final after we swept... Uh, Brazil aside, where right. we met uh, our foes, Spain. Yes, and let's not forget that we had faced them in the, the European Championships final back in uh, May. Uh, in fact, six of the players started in both um, of the games, or six for England, Spain had seven. That ended two, and as you, you mentioned earlier, we lost out on penalties. Mm. This time, two first-half goals from Sergio Gomez of Barcelona put Spain two up. Uh, Rian Brewster got his eighth tournament just before half time, which I think changed the whole complexity of yeah, the game. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, after half time, Morgan Gibbs White, I think it was around, I think it was just, just before the hour mark, yeah, made it, was, it two yeah. all. Uh, then Phil Foden, the Manchester City player, puts England ahead. So with three two up, Mark Gooey stabs home to make it four two with five minutes left. And then there was room for another one, Phil Foden, to make it five. Unbelievable! Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was, and 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 it was. I th- it was. I felt so pleased after what happened in the Europeans as well, because they didn't deserve to lose that final against Spain. I mean, Spain scored that late, late equaliser, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Against the run of play, really. And then, uh, of course, at that level, it's straight to penalties. There's no extra time. So England didn't even have a chance to fire back. And with the wind having been knocked out of their sails, the momentum in that game obviously switched to the Spaniards, who then swept us aside in the penalty shootout. So it was wonderful for them to get a bit of uh, a bit of revenge um, on an even grander scale, really, because, you know, at the end of the day, you can keep your European Championship if, uh, if we get the World Cup, really. Yeah, yeah. And it makes you wonder, actually, whether it was mentioned in uh, the run-up to the final. When we knew that we'd... We'd passed um, Brazil and, and we knew that we'd got Spain in the final. Whether they were thinking back to that previous game and whether the management, management staff were making reference to it or whether they watched videos or anything like that, or perhaps they just thought, no, no need to mention it. Yeah, no no idea. I mean, you'd certainly think that the players, as you say, if six started in both, you'd think it's got to be pretty fresh still in their minds. But yeah. what a what a great opportunity to put that behind them uh, with the you know with the, with the perfect retaliation really, um, and all of that without someone that you mentioned at the top of the show, one of uh, England's 
unquestionably one of England's star players and someone who has got a very bright future ahead of him by the looks of things, which is Jaden Sancho, um, yeah. who had been recalled by his team, uh, Borussia Dortmund, uh, and he couldn't even play in the final. I don't think, um, I think he might have missed the semi as well. I imagine how he must have felt. I don't mm. know. I assume he gets a medal. Does he get a medal for taking part? I don't part? know if he gets a medal. Yeah, probably. But, uh, yeah, well, I mean, he's got big things ahead of him. Um, I imagine he, he feels pretty sick at the moment, but I think he's got big things to come. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's already uh, played for Borussia Dortmund's first team. He's only recently turned 17. Um and I think he went for, well, it was an undisclosed fee, but thought to be around £8 million. So you'd think he's got to be half decent. So, yeah, it'd be really interesting to see what comes of him. And uh, so Steve Cooper uh, joins now a very elite band of managers, in fact. That's right, yes. So him, Sir Alf Ramsey and Paul Simpsons of the under-20s, England World Cup winning managers. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just like um, we mentioned Pele there, great company yes. um, to be in the same name, uh, same sentence as Alf Ramsey. Um, yeah, amazing. So, I mean, all these players we talk about making the step up to sort of senior and, and under 21 level, perhaps the managers, they deserve a, a similar amount of praise as well. Yes, agreed. I mean, when, we're, when we do eventually come to look for a... Uh, the next man to fill Gareth Southgate's shoes, not wanting to uh, kick him out the door just, just so soon. Yeah, let's, let's see uh, what happens in June first. Well, let's let's see what happens next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, perhaps perhaps we should be just looking a little bit more internally. Um, okay, admittedly, Gareth Southgate did come from the uh, did come from the internal ranks, but um, Steve Cooper doing the the under 17s Paul Simpson under 20s they're all part of that that England setup perhaps they should be considered when it comes to appointing a new manager yeah i mean because if you think about it when when what is it that the FA are actually looking for in terms of, now in terms of credentials what are they looking for when they want to appoint the next manager now i would have thought if steve cooper had sort of put in his through his proverbial hat into the ring, let's say, in yeah. this hypothetical situation, he could turn around and say, "Okay, well, I've played, I've worked with these lads now for the last X number of years. I've worked at these various different levels within England. Um, I have qualified for a tournament. I've won a World Cup. Okay, it's only the under 17s but all you can do is win the tournament that you're in against the opposition you're up against." Yeah. Um, and it's not like it's not a high quality tournament because anyone who's seen any of the games will have realised there was some brilliant football being played and not just by England. There were some really good teams in it. We weren't the favourites to win it, I don't think. Um, and, you know, maybe that's going to... Whereas, what's likely to happen? Well, I don't know. Maybe we would appoint, you know, uh, an in inverted commas big name um, who probably hasn't won a World Cup for anyone, I wouldn't have thought, and would probably have never even heard of half of the players in our, you know, in our youth setups. Yeah. So it, it does, it, 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 it's interesting, isn't it? It does, it does bear some consideration for when the time comes around. And I bet you Steve Cooper won't demand £7 million a year either. No, I think you're right, yeah. He'll probably do it for seven quid a year or something, probably <laughs> just for the love of his country. Oh, well, the love of the game, you know. Not the love of his country, he's Welsh, but... <laughs> That's right, <laughs> That's the only maybe that's the only blot on his copybook. I don't know. Oh, I'd take that if that's if that's the worst he's got. Yeah, yeah, quite, quite. Um, 
So yeah, and, and as I mentioned, because he's he's already uh, managed England at a couple of a couple of levels, isn't he? Yes, he, I think he, um, what did he, he took the under 16s and he's done the uh, yeah, under 16s in 2014, then the under 17s in 2015. So I wonder, um, if they, I wonder if they move with the team then in that case. That would, would, it would kind of suggest that he, that he has, wouldn't it? Yeah, so he's sort of moving up the ranks with the players. Um, and obviously, the players, they know him. Um, yeah, it would seem a logical move, wouldn't it, to come up to the. Um, do we have an under? Well, we have the under 18s and then go up to the under 21s. Yeah, yeah. Well, and so what? What? What do you think then? So what do you think has caused this unparalleled, it must be said, level of success um, for in, in the underage levels this this year? I mean, because it can't just be luck, can it? Because that would have meant that one of the teams would have done well. Every single team has done well. And obviously we've highlighted the five teams that have all won or come second in something. That's not to say there are any other teams out there that got dumped out in the first round. That's all of the teams. The success rate has been absolutely farcical, really, because they've all absolutely excelled um, in what they've done this year. So what is that down to? Do we think this is better coaching? Is it the improved facilities at St George's Park, I mean, that's got to be part of it. I mean, how much of an impact is that? Is it the fact that they all sort of get together in one central location now helping? Um, I mean, is it a combination of these things? What, what, what do you think has been some of the pivotal um, facts that have, that have caused this uh, resurgence, if you like, or, or, you know, real flood of success? Well, I, I think I think there's a, a, probably a little bit of luck gone into it. You can't go through a tournament without having a little bit of luck on your on your side. But the the St George's Park, I think, has got to be um, a major um, plus to the whole the whole setup. The fact that all coaches, all age groups are based from there they can all train together and they can all see each other and the coaches can they can liaise with each other they can talk to each other and sort of swap ideas um and and that i'm sure leads to better coaching Mm. um i mean does in any job doesn't it if you're speaking with with your colleagues um or speaking to people externally from from other industries that if you can sort of pinch little things from here and there um surely it's going to to make your your job better if you can um improve as, as a person like that I, I did actually hear a um an interview i think it was on um five live the the morning after the the victory where steve cooper was on the radio there um and he made made heavy reference to what he called the the england dna Okay. Which um, I guess is probably something more than just a, a notice pinned up on a, a notice board at St George's Park. But they all seem to subscribe to this, the ideology or, or the DNA of what the England set up, what they want to do. And, and they're all trying to do it from from each level, be it the under-17s, be it the, the 18s, the 19s, the 20s or the 21s, um, right up to Gareth Southgate at senior level. Which so, so is he suggesting then that there is a almost like a blueprint for how England want, or the FA want all England teams to play and therefore all teams are going to 
try and work toward this one goal? Is that is that what that means, or have I uh, misinterpreted? No, that, that's that's how I kind of understand it. Um, you wouldn't think so watching. So Gareth is pulling ranks that's... then, is he? Yeah, because it seems that all of the young teams are quite exciting to watch, and then we've got the seniors. That's yeah. That's that's where I sort of got stumped. But, yeah. <laughs> well, as you say, I'm sure the St George's Park does have a large, um, a large, large role to play in that success. Of course, we're still waiting for our invitation up there. So yeah, I'm, I'm free anyone, anytime. Yeah, if anyone from the FA is is listening, because I know they're they're big fans, even after we panned <laughs> them last time out. Uh, we're still waiting for that episode. We'll pay for our own train ticket. Uh, we just would like some sandwiches while we're there and a nice little tour and that would be that would be great um, now <clears throat> there have been many stars of the end of 17s let's uh, let's have a little look at a couple of the uh, a couple of the players uh, who have featured because uh, they are probably some of them going to become our stars of tomorrow so why don't we familiarize ourselves with a couple of the players for anyone who maybe only saw some of the final or, or maybe who hasn't actually caught any of the uh, the 17's wonderful performances this year. Oh, OK, so the, the under-17 team that um, played against Spain uh, will start at the back, featured Curtis Anderson, he's the goalkeeper. Um, he's on Manchester City's books. He was the hero between the sticks in the, the last 16 uh, match against Japan, which we, we mentioned we won 5-3 on penalties. He actually scored from the spot. He took one of the spot kicks himself, which I Love think is that. a very, yeah, keeper who scores and then puts himself between the sticks to, uh, to then immediately save. I think, yeah, great, isn't it? Yeah, that is wonderful. That. Yeah, big fan of that. Did you see the penalty? Did he, uh, did he place it, do you know, or did he just larrap it as if he was taking a goal kick? I I have to admit I saw the penalty. It was a it was a YouTube footage because I didn't get to yeah. see this game. Um, it was take the whoever was filming it had t- taken it side on. Oh, so I couldn't see. <laughs> so not, we'll give him the benefit it. of the doubt. I'm sure he uh, sent the keeper the wrong way. It gave him yeah, the eyes. He, he he put it put it hard in. Put it that way. Excellent. Uh, Got his laces uh, through it. Yeah, that's right. Um, defender Stephen Sessignon. Now I've I've heard the name Sessignon banded about quite a bit, but it's his twin brother Ryan Sessignon, who's a regular for Fulham. Um, but Stephen, he, he has played first team football for Fulham, and like a lot of the youngsters, he sort of only really turned out in the the League Cup or the uh, the Car- 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 Carabao Caribou Cup, whatever they call no it. Idea how you say it? I don't know. Uh-oh. I've never so, even tried. So ra- regarding this, right? So regarding the Sessignons, are we saying yes. then that one of the twins is the, is first pick for England, but the other one is first pick for Fulham? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's confusing. <laughs> yeah, they obviously uh, differentiate between the two somehow. Yeah, I but, guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Carrying on. So we got. Uh, so what about uh, in the centre of the defence? So it's Mark Gouy of Chelsea, the defender there. He's actually born in the Ivory Coast, but he actually represented England at 16, 17 and 18 level. Um, whilst he hasn't made any um, inroads into Chelsea's first team, he has played regularly for the under-18s for the past three seasons. But I think with, uh, with Chelsea, you never really know where you stand, where, they're, uh, no. where they farm out players. So I don't really want to say how... A where trip he's going to be. Vitesse Arnhem is probably in the uh, pipeline for him now. Yeah, I thought that yeah, seems to be the next 
step they send them on, doesn't it? That's right, yes. Um, alongside Mark Wee was Joe Latapadere um, of Manchester City. He's our captain. He's another player who played every minute of every game and, of course, the player who lift the trophy um, at the end of the tournament. Um, another Chelsea player, Jonathan Panzo, uh, played in all but one of the games in the run to the final, can play left-back or central defence, um, and he's only played for Chelsea's development and youth teams. Alongside him and his teammate George McCracken, um, Chelsea midfielder, left-footed, has been at Chelsea since the age of eight. Um, he has actually made 26 appearances for Chelsea's under-18, scoring six goals. Which is a uh, yeah, you always want a midfielder who can put some goals in as well. Yeah. Tashan Oakley Booth from Tottenham, another midfielder. Like Stephen Sessignon, he's represented his club, Spurs at first team level. He replaced Deli Alley in their Carabao Cup match against Barnsley. Um, he only came on for the last few minutes, but hey, he's had first team experience. Yeah. Phil Foden. The player, the mm. golden boy. Mm. Yes. Literally. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And high praise from all quarters. Glenn Hoddle raving about him. Um, Manchester City is always going to be a tough place to get a game, but he has featured in various pre-seasons. Um, he actually had a bit of bench time for a Champions League game against Celtic. Of course, he got three goals in the tournament, one against uh, Mexico and two in the final against Spain. And he's he's had praise from old Pep as well, hasn't he? Yes, yeah. I think when Pep heard that he had, um, when the England team had won it and, and Phil had won the Golden Boy, he was quite intrigued as to where he played. And I think he's got um, high plans for him. I don't know if Manchester, Manchester City's still in the, uh, the League Cup. I think we may well see him um, in that tournament soon. I've got a feeling they are still in it. Yeah, and he's he's played he's played four times this season in the under twenty one Premier League. So given that he's only seventeen as well, that's um, obviously quite a high standard against players much older. And he's scored twice and had two assists in those four games. So he's obviously he's obviously going to be brilliantly attack minded. Um, and as you say, he actually won the the Golden Boy, which which was the best player in the entire entire tournament, wasn't it? That's right. Um, so yeah. that's all nationalities, and he was picked out as being the player of the tournament. So you can't really get much better than that, can you? No, no. I think we've got uh, got to want to watch there, Phil Foden. Definitely. Although Manchester City fans probably saying, "Well, we know that already." Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, Morgan Gibbs White from Wolves, um, midfielder. Um, he got two goals in this tournament, one against America in the quarterfinals, then he got the equaliser. That's a vital equaliser in the final. Mm. Um, this is one player who's actually made seven first team starts in various competitions for Wolves. And they're flying, so that's no mean feat. Yeah, I think that's that's good that he's uh, he's getting this experience at the, the highest level he can possibly get at the moment. Can only do him him good. Uh, on going back to Chelsea, Callum Hudson Odoi, um, a winger, he's fourth player to feature from Chelsea. Um, again, featured in every game and assisted three of the goals in the final. Um, and got England going with the very first goal of the whole tournament against Chile. And he was he was brilliant in that final as well. He absolutely ran the fullback absolutely ragged. Um, he literally just destroyed the, the Spanish fullback, and he he really did. Look, just every time he got it, he was just looking to just charge at them, which 
which seems to be a common feature at this sort of level. I hope that, in fact, is the the England DNA that you spoke about earlier. I hope one of the parts of that DNA is getting at the ball and just absolutely running hell for leather at the fullback because at no level of football do fullbacks like being ran at. And they and as soon as they start backtracking and running backwards and sideways, then you've got half a chance. That's um, right. And of course, he was supplying a lot of the ammunition um, to the last person you're no doubt going to mention, which is uh, Ryan Brewster. That's right, Liverpool player, along with Foden, who was one of the players to get the most adulation and attention. He got eight goals, didn't he, in this tournament? He won the golden boot. Yeah, golden boot for that. And and there's another award, the bronze ball for individual performances, which Mm. not not really understanding that one, but hey, it's another it's another little prize he can put on his mantelpiece or or next to his bed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly, in his bedroom. That's right. He still lives with his mum. Quite possibly, yeah. That's when you realise how how old they actually are, isn't but, it? But yeah, and 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 I, and I say, I mean, not only did he smash eight goals in uh, in the tournament, which incidentally were were, were were a lot of a lot of them were were good finishes, but a lot of them were sort of you know poachers' goals, and they in and around the six yard box, Lineker esque, um, mm. which is great because someone has to do that. You don't you don't want you know all your goals coming from outside the area. You you do need someone to to be poking them in and getting in those those dangerous areas. Um, he's got a ridiculous 20 goals in 22 appearances now for the under-17s, which is a great return. Obviously, a few hat-tricks are going are gonna to help those figures. Um, but also in the Premier League reserves, he's played the Liverpool reserves six times and he's scored three goals and managed another four assists as well. So again, he looks like he could be a, um, he could be a good prospect and, and definitely one for Liverpool fans to get excited about. Yeah, um, we've, uh, we've really got a um, a really good squad at this level, haven't we, these players? Absolutely. Um, uh, and I know we've already briefly mentioned him as well, but Jaden Sancho, worth a, uh, another mentioned. Of course, he's uh, applying his trade over in Germany, in Dortmund. Um, Bundesliga debut at only 17, and he's actually been called up to the under-19 squad now. Excellent stuff. Yeah, definitely, definitely one to watch. And, uh, and also what's interesting is that we are hosting next year's under-17 Euros, uh, which we therefore have automatically qualified for as hosts. Uh, and we got, they've got a couple of games coming up very, very soon. So uh, November the 8th, we play Portugal in Ch- uh, at Chesterfield. We then face the Russians uh, in Burton three days later. And then Germany in Rotherham. Uh, on November the 14th. So uh, there's some real opportunities for people to go and see uh, the England youngsters at a variety of smaller grounds, which is brilliant. I love that it goes and moves it around. Go, go to some of the smaller grounds. Give uh, you know some of these venues and some of those fans the opportunity to see some of the Young Lions games. Um, I think that that's definitely a good way to do it. Um, and I'm pretty sure that, you know, it's, it's about three quid to get in or something and like a pound for kids or something. So hopefully they'll get some half decent attendances as well. Um, although that said, they should be used to that now because there were 80,000 watching their live um, the final of the World Cup in Calcutta in India. 80,000 people for an under-17s game. Absolutely incredible. 
It's almost unheard of, isn't it? Well, I guess it is unheard of. I think it's completely unheard of, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> it's an experience for them. Yeah, definitely. And, and they were treated to quite the show as well. Okay, so well done, the 17s. Now, moving on to uh, less exciting teams, the seniors. Um, <laughs> because, of course, uh, Gareth has announced his squad for the upcoming friendlies. We've got Germany on Friday, the 10th of November, and Brazil the following Tuesday, the 14th. Um, so hot off the press, the squad has been announced. Now, Gareth Southgate said he'd be picking on form, but he also said that now that we've qualified, he does want to see what some of the others can do. So here is the squad in its full. However, there are a few updates to this we've since discovered with regards to injuries and so forth. So we'll cover those afterwards. But the original squad was uh, three goalkeepers uh, this time. Uh, Joe Hart, Jack Butland and Jordan Pickford. No great surprises there. Uh, The defenders are Ryan Bertrand, Danny Rose, Gary Cahill, Phil Jones, Harry Maguire, John Stones, Joe Gomez, Kyle Walker and Kieran Trippier. The midfielders, Ashley Young, Eric Dyer, Fabian Delph, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Jordan Henderson, Raheem Sterling, Harry Winks, Deli Alley and Jesse Lingard. And the strikers, Marcus Rashford, Harry Kane, Tammy Abraham and Jamie Vardy. So that meant that coming in were the three youngsters, Gomez, Loftus-Cheek and Abraham, all coming up from the 21s. Um, a recalls for Ashley Young and Fabian Delph, and that was all at the expense of Alex Oxlade Chamberlain, Chris Smalling, Daniel Sturridge, and Jake Livermore. And of course, since then, we've now learned that Delhi Alley is out, um, and Michael Keane, who was probably a bit unlucky not to get in in the first place, um, gets a recall. So there's quite a lot to get stuck into here. So what do you uh, what what do you make of the squad overall, Russell? Is it pretty much what you were anticipating, or were you a bit surprised by some of the the youngsters being called up? Well, uh, I think the youngsters is good too. We've obviously shown what they're capable of there um, for the for the national side and what they've been doing for their. Um, club side as well so yeah I think it's good to to blood some of these youngsters we can't blood them all which I'm sure everyone would love to do but yeah let's let's bring them in and I think what he's done um, if we're talking Tammy Abraham Joe Gomez Ruben Loftus-Cheek I think they've all played together um, at England level what um, sort of 16, 17, 18 and 21 as well they've all come through together so it would make sense to sort of bring them through in at the same time so on that on that front yeah i'm i'm quite quite happy and and good to see that there are a few uh names in there that you think oh really um sort of yeah uh your your raheem sterling i know he's been playing fairly well for manchester city but when you sort of think back to to recent england games you think oh is, is he really up for it on um on the england front jordan henderson as well i know he's got a um uh, a few, a few haters out there to put it politely. <laughs> More than a few, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Fabian Delph as well. That's that's an interesting one. But the, I mean, the one that sort of really caught my eye, Ashley Young, um, which just goes to prove, I guess, at any sort of level, um, if you are if you're deemed to be doing well, then you're you're still capable of getting a call up. Four years without an England game, you, you last 
um, came on as a sub against Ukraine. I think it was 2013 in a uh, qualifying game for for um, the World Cup in Brazil. And so uh, the doors never closed. No, that's right. Well, Gareth Southgate um, had this to say about Ashley Young. He said, his performances warrant it. We want to play with wing-backs, and he's played very well there for Manchester United. So he's obviously obviously looking to um, use these games as an opportunity to play a different formation by the sounds of things, as well as a few different faces. That's Um, right, I mean... But, you know, that is kind of the point, isn't it, of these friendlies? You know, to experiment a little bit. So why not? That's right. I mean, when we um, when we knew we were through um, to the World Cup and the Lithuania game became a bit of a dead rubber, he, he put um, two wing-backs in and three at the back. Um, yeah. So he, he's got the intention of doing that and he's picked players that hopefully he can use um, to experiment with for that formation. So I'd expect to be seeing that against Germany and Brazil. Yeah, definitely. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how they, um, how they get on. Um, now... Tammy Abraham, obviously, has also um, got a call-up, who I've mentioned about him recently in our Facebook group, which for anyone that's not listening, uh, we do have a Facebook group for talking all things England. So if you are that way inclined, then if you just search the little Facebook search bar for three, the number three uh, line, actually it might be the word three, three lines podcast, you will find it. Uh, You can come and join in the fun. Now I mentioned on there a week or two ago um, that I fully anticipate Tammy Abraham to be going to the World Cup because I think he is one player we have that actually offers something genuinely different to everyone else. Um, He's now finally had his call up to the first. Uh, you could argue it might be to stop him getting capped by Nigeria, possibly. Ooh, maybe. Ooh. Oh, the cynic in me suggests Isn't that, it? Yeah. that maybe that might be part of the reason for his call-up. But hey, he's also bagged four goals and an assist already in the Premier League this year in his first season for a very average Swansea side. So I think he's probably there on merit as well. And as I mentioned, I think he actually offers something a bit... He do, you know, you're, you, you, we always get this when you get to the tournament. You always get some saying, "Oh, well, I think you should take Andy Carroll because he offers something different." Do you know what I mean? So we can lump it up, basically. Yeah. But I think that Abraham has got that in his game, but also I think he offers a, a lot more than that as well. Um, so I say I genuinely think he will be going in the summer, and therefore, yeah, let's get him, let's get him a bit of game time before then, and give him a chance to see what he can do, and. I've also read today that Harry Kane might be injured anyway. Um, given that he's the only person that scores for England anymore, it'd be good to try and test someone else out, maybe. Which was a bit of a surprise when I, I saw that we'd left Daniel Sturridge out because uh, oh, no, he, he scored midweek Champions League, didn't he, against Maribor? Um, I don't know, perhaps I haven't seen a great deal of Liverpool, to be honest, but he was a, a surprise to be left out. Yeah, yeah, quite. Well, I mean, a few, really. I mean, Chris Smalling... As well, he. I mean, he has not only been dropped, but has been borderline crucified publicly by Southgate, who basically has come out and said that he's dropped him from the squad because he's not good enough at playing out from the back. Yeah, that's, that's harsh. Sorry, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I, it's, I don't know. Do you want to sort of say keep your, your dirty laundry in in house? Yeah, exactly. Or, or is he just giving him a public? kicking that hopefully he'll he'll buck his ideas up and, and maybe play out from the back a bit more for United or and um, and that door will open again for him 
Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, it looks like uh, also Jake Livermore's lost his space. I don't think too many people will be upset about that. Um, and likewise, the Ox, who's had a horrible time of it of late, um, he's lost his place as well. Yeah. Um, so, yes, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the upcoming games. I hope that given that he's picked some different players in the squad, I hope he actually plays some of them. Because if he then just goes and picks what's, you know, the same team anyway, it kind of makes the whole thing a little bit pointless, really. Well, you'd like to think that he will chop and change it for both games. I'd expect to see a fair few substitutions. Um, I mean, can you have a not untold amount of substitutions, but can you have a, a fair amount um, in these friendly feeling, games? I've got a feeling that, I've got a thing there is a limit, but it might be something like five. Which is yeah, I know I had five in my head as yeah, well. Yeah, I think I think, it, I think they did change it after they used to have during the Sven reign the slightly farcical nine substitution games, um, and I think I, I've got a feeling it might it might have been reduced yeah by FIFA to five. But um, yeah. either way, enough as you say for us hopefully to see um, to see quite a few new faces in there. I mean, you'd expect well, you would hope that everyone can get a game, and you, you might see one goalkeeper maybe not not make a uh, an appearance but you'd be very frustrated wouldn't you if you were picked in the squad and, and over two games didn't get any any pitch time yes although that said i mean i'm not sure if i don't know how much how much attention do you think they're paying to them during the um you know during the training sessions do you think in southgate picks his squad thinking right that's my 11 for the germany team or does he pick a squad and go, right, I'm now going to assess them when they all meet up at training and there are still places up for grabs based on how they perform on the training pitch? Because yeah, he can't uh, be that familiar with all of them, can he? Because certainly not how well they train because he won't have he won't have seen as much because it's not like they meet up every week, is it? No, but I mean, then he will probably know, um, especially the, the youngsters, the new ones, Tommy Abraham, Joe Gomez, Ruben Losses, cheek from his time um, at... 21 level I'm sure he's, he's encountered them then but yeah you're right he, he must not he can't know them all inside out um, I'm sure he's got an idea in his head the sort of team he'd like to put out but mm. he needs to he has to use his time wisely on the training pitch to to maybe see what players have, have got options for him yeah. in alternate scenarios well and we can we can maybe put that to him when he invites us to St George's Park for that cup of tea that's right. Yeah. Excellent. Now there's been a, a few a few tweets about uh, about the squad as always. Um, sadly, um, disappointed to report that due to how hot off the press the squad is, uh, my my old dear isn't here. So oh. we're gonna have to gonna put up with my dulcet terms. I'm afraid. Hopefully she will be back next month. Um, but we've got a few tweets. This is the first one. Uh, Gareth Southgate said Chris Smalling isn't good with the football, so he gets dropped from the England squad, but calls up Gary Cahill. Please help. Uh, well, whoever tweeted that, Cahill looks like he might be injured now as well, so I'm not sure if he'll be playing. Uh, next one. Don't think England have the quality to be experimenting. We need to focus on our first 11 actually being good first. Now, that's quite an interesting one, I think. What's your take on that? Because I think that we that we should... Well I, well, I don't know. Actually, it's a very interesting one because to begin with, I thought he, I thought the Southgate kind of looked like he'd sort of settled on what his first team, first 11 was. And then he started, you know, saying, right, I'm going to experiment and play, try five at the back and three at the back and so on and so forth. 
But now he's done a bit of that. And now I'm not so sure if he knows what his best 11 is again, even though I think that eight months ago, maybe he did have a clue of, uh, or maybe 12 months ago, maybe he thought he did know what his best team was. Now I'm not so sure. What, what's, what's your take on that? Well, I think, I think every England manager will try and experiment when they get the opportunity. And they'll, they'll probably all know their ideal first starting 11 but they've got to be um ready for all eventualities because if if harry um harry kane is injured and he can't um can't participate then he's got to have a backup because i mean harry kane is is a dead cert he's almost first on the list um so he's got to have an alternative to to play um and, and i guess we've got we've got these two games coming up we've got Potentially two in March. Um, so we got, we March got Holland, time. Holland away, haven't we? Definitely. That, well, I don't know if they've been actually is that, confirmed. Is that confirmed or not? I've read a, a little bit that if we potentially get drawn with them in the ah. Na- Nations League, is it? Yes. Um, which comes up back end of next year. Yeah. Um, then they may. There is talk that they may scrap that. Oh. Um, whether I. But, but well, we certainly won't Italy. draw in the World Cup. No, that's right. No. <laughs> um, well, we've got. Well, I think we've got Italy next next June. Uh, sorry, next March. So, so let's just say we've got Holland. So there's two games this this month. Two in March, and then I guess we'll have three before the World three Cup in the couple of weeks running up to it. Isn't yeah. It? Would Would that be the? So would that be March to? Um, May, yeah. So, so that's um, just quickly doing my my maths is atrocious. Two, four, seven, seven games. games. Yeah, <laughs> seven <laughs> games. So you'd like to think that those three before the tournament would be the squad. Yes. Um, so I'm I'm quite happy with these two games um, to being um, a, a mix of players that he can evaluate. Uh, I mean, let's be honest. Are, are we really expecting to be beating Germany and Brazil? Um, I think this is more of a experimenting exercise, so I'm I'm quite happy with it. It's one of those where it's a bit tricky as well, though, isn't it? Because you know, because you know full well that if he picks an experimental team and they get turned over at Wembley, then everyone's just going to moan again. Yeah, it's a yeah. bit. Sometimes you think he can't win. You can't. Well, you can't, can you? Whichever way he does it, he's he's, he's not going to win, is he? So uh, this is interesting. Tweet. Someone said Southgate has dropped Smalling because he wants his defenders to be able to play up from the back, just so they can pass it to Henderson. <laughs> which, I, which I thought was quite funny. Um, and then a bit of a shot at another manager. So Arsene Wenger came out before the squad was picked and said, I don't know how you can keep a super fit Jack, uh, talking about Wilshire, out of the England squad. I would encourage Southgate to pick him. Uh, and Southgate on Wenger's comments said, I don't know how you get into the England squad without getting into the Arsenal team. So was Wilshere being left out was obviously a surprise to Arsene Wenger, but then he is French. What are your thoughts on that? Because I would, I'd like to have a fit Jack Wilshere in my squad. I think. I think we all would, and I must admit, Jack, no, Jack Wilshere was a bit of a surprise to me. I know he hasn't played um, a, a huge amount of games for Arsenal. He's been playing in the um, the League Cup. Um, but he's he's a player with experience. Thirty four caps he's got, and when you go through um, the squad that that um, Gareth has picked, having not, Jack Wilshire not many in there, is there, 
No, it's, it's Gary Gary Cahill, Joe Hart. I've got a feeling they're the only ones above him um, with more caps. Yeah. So, oh, just to have him in and around the squad, and let's be honest, he's only some of these players. They're only going to play maybe one half or, or an hour's football over the two games. So if if Jack can get through an hour of international football, then I think that would be all right. Has he picked him yet? Do we know? Has he picked him at all in the last, since Southgate's been manager? Or do we think maybe there's some sort of personal issue there? Has he, uh, I don't have the, all of his squads in front of me, but I'm not sure he's picked Wilshire once, has he? Well, obviously he's had his injuries, so he's probably been omitted from some of the squads because would, of injury. Well, yeah, I mean, he's obviously a bit of a perennial sit note, but he managed to stay quite fit when he was on loan at Bournemouth. I mean, he even completed a few 90 minutes, which was unheard of for him previously. So I'm yeah. not sure if maybe there's something more to Jack Wilshere. And it's a shame because actually I think he's one of the few players that we've got that can pick out that through ball Um and given some of the pace that we have on display up top these days, I think that he would complement a uh, you know a Rashford or a, a Sterling dashing off in front of him quite nicely. Yeah, I think it's safe to say he has had some off-the-field media attention mm. um, in his past. Perhaps you're right. Perhaps there is something there. I, I don't know. Um, who knows? I, I, who knows? That's right. I wouldn't want to point aspersions or no <laughs> no of course not no um well that that is that that's the seniors as i say it's uh friday uh the 10th against germany at wembley and then again the following tuesday the 14th also at wembley uh both games no doubt on telly for anyone that's not going to a wembley which i would imagine probably won't be full again uh, because I see about 50 million adverts on Facebook every day telling me there are still tickets available. So I'm guessing it's going to be a half-empty stadium again and they'll probably give away some tickets to people loitering outside the ground uh, just before the game, probably. So um, let's have a look. There's, uh, the women have had a game. Let's uh, have a quick mention of the women before we finish up with Hot and Not. Uh, That's right. What's happened to uh, to our fillies? Well, the the women after last last episode of the podcast, we, we concentrated on the women quite heavily with mm. the Mark Sampson issue. That's yes. been all swept away now. And that Mo has, Marley completely yeah. forgotten about it, it seems. That's right. Mo Marley came in to replace uh, him, and this was her first game. It was away in France for a friendly. We were doing all right up until the last minute when a French header made it one nil to France. So, have a stab at who scored it. Uh, I've, I've got her name in front of me oh, Vivian <laughs> Vivian is her first name oh, I'm unsure of her Asiwi Asi, I don't know A-S-S-E-Y-I Excellent Are they going to continue the theme of England's other teams moving around the country because they've got a couple of games coming up later in this month as well haven't they that's right. We placed Bosnia and Herzegovina um, in Warsaw, Friday the 24th of November, and Kazakhstan at Colchester United's um, Western Homes Community Stadium, Tuesday the 28th of November. And, and much like the um, the under-17s that we mentioned that were playing the likes of Rotherham and, and Burton, I imagine these games will be a fairly decent price to get in and uh, and watch the women Absolutely, absolutely, and rightly so. Yeah. Um, not least to get the uh, you know the next generation of fans along to these. It seems to be pretty much free if you're with an adult for a lot of these games, 
which you know anything that can get the kids off the xbox and uh, out in actually some fresh air have oh and maybe even actually moving their fat backsides <laughs> a little bit can only be uh, can only be a good thing although that said they'll probably just sit there and feed their faces with burger and chips so maybe it's not all good but anyway uh we, we digress um let's finish up with hot and not as always uh give me your not my not will be, I don't know if you've actually seen this um, yet, but the news on the wires, uh, apparently a new kit, new shirt, home and away for the World Cup next year. Not actually being released yet, but you know it's highly likely. But that means that the that Midnight Blue effort that mm. came out last year will have only, will have only had two outings. Not good value for many, given that okay. one of them was 90 quid. Yeah, yeah. That's that's not good. A uh, uh, bit of a shame that really. I quite like the blue kit um, personally. I know it's not red, but it was uh, it made it made quite a nice nice change. Uh, now, and of course, while we're talking about kits, what I did like was the link that I believe you shared in our group. Remember, that's the Facebook group. So search Three Lines Podcast on Facebook and come and get involved. Um, of a was, was it dubbed as a training shirt or a warm up shirt or something? Yeah. And it was like a bit of a throwback to the brilliant Admiral kits. I mean, it's a shame that isn't going to be the new kit because I thought it was a brilliant shirt. Yeah, it looks to be a bit of a uh, an Admiral ripoff, doesn't it? With the Didn't blue, it? the white, and the red um, all across the front. But I get the impression it's it's more of a training shirt. So we'll see them warming up um, before games wearing that. But on a uh, on a shirt theme, um, I think next year we're going to see quite a lot of retro looking shirts. Um, if, if you Google what um, Belgium shirt is going to be like for next year, that takes you back to, well, I think that was the the '86 World Cup, oh, okay. um, so which is Ma- a, it's a cracking effort. Yeah, we scored the wonderful goal against them. Yeah. Yeah, and there, there's some other retro-looking shirts. Russia have, have gone back to um, almost um, not having CCCP across the front of it, but um, it looks <laughs> no, it looks very much 1990-like. It's, uh, it's going to be a good good World Cup for kids next year, I think. Well, I hope that, uh, that that Nike actually get a bit more adventurous and and give us something decent in which case because. Uh, the, the previous one, whilst I didn't dislike the blue, I quite liked it being blue. It wasn't exactly imaginative. And some of the kits that Nike have made for some of the teams they, they, they create kits for are absolutely brilliant. And we just never seem to get one. We always seem to have pretty dull kits wheeled out for us, really. I mean, they're OK. I'm, I'm not saying I dislike the Nike kits, but they're just so vanilla every time. Personally, I'd like us to see something a little bit more outrageous. We're stuck with white, really, aren't we? There's not, not much, you can, not very far you can go with white, is there? I suppose no. it's just kind of white. <laughs> just exactly. Just on a, a very quick separate note, I've, I've actually seen Scotland's home shirt being released. Oh yeah. Um, if, if you haven't seen that, Adidas. Um, it, it's a marvellous effort. It almost they've taken the uh, the template and the, the detailing of the Hol- the famous Holland 1988 shirt and almost put it out onto a Scotland shirt. Um, right. I'm quite envious, but, that but not, not that envious. It's, it's got a uh, it's got a funny badge on it. Yeah, exactly, and it's the wrong colour. Yeah, but but still, that will be uh, that'll give them something. To, uh, to cheer about. Uh, to wear on a beach next year. Yeah, exactly. Uh, my knot is poor old Chris Smalling. 
um, publicly outed by Gareth Southgate. I, I just don't see now how there is ever, how he is going to claw his way back into the squad. I can't help but think he's he's about fifth or sixth choice centre-half now. Um, and I think that the youngsters will overtake him. And sadly, unless he has some sort of unbelievable rest of season for United, I think that might be the end of his England career, possibly. Um, what about your hot to finish up then, Russ? Uh, my hots, well, I think I'm going to go with the, the three players that were added from the under-21 um, squad to the senior squad by Gareth Southgate. Um, well done to Tammy Abraham, Joe Gomez of Liverpool and um, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who's currently playing his trade at Palace whilst on loan from Chelsea. Let's hope we see uh, see those in the next two games. Yes, here, here. And hopefully that will um, open the floodgates to more youngsters getting their chance to be fair Southgate said all along didn't he at the start that he would bring these players through and he has been true to his word on that to be fair to him yes. so um so that will be good and maybe they'll settle just as well as Rashford has who I think a lot of people would probably have certainly in their squad every time and I think a lot of people would actually have him probably in their first 11 as well and 12 months ago no one had really heard of who he was so mm. Um, I think that's decent as well. Um, uh, I'm going to say hot. I'm going to say the under 17s, but especially Steve Cooper, um, who has uh, brought the team together and obviously gelled them and had a magnificent year. Um, And I'm pleased that they are finally getting some of the plaudits and recognition that they deserve um, because really as a managerial achievement, it is really is on a Kim with winning a seniors World Cup, really. It's, it's just as big a tournament. They've won, you know, they had to play eight games or whatever to get to the final, which is the same as a real World Cup. Um, and they did jolly, jolly well. So well done, Steve Cooper. Uh, now, that just about brings episode 12 to its conclusion. Um, now, our next episode, which will be uh, unlucky episode 13, will be out on the 8th of December, which is the second uh, Friday in December. And there is good reason why it is being delayed. Um, and that is because the World Cup draw takes place on the 1st of December. So uh, whilst England are playing in these friendlies against Brazil and Germany, there are the European playoffs going on. Um, They take place from, I think it's Thursday right through to Monday, actually. I think it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Various teams are playing on various days with the double headers. After that, we're going to know everyone who's in the draw. I'm I'm not sure if it's this weekend for the non UA for ones as well. I guess it must be. They must um, all be at the same time, aren't they? They are, are they? Okay. I, I think so. Don't it quite would make me. sense, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, we will know all of the teams who are in. And the World Cup draw takes place on the 1st of December. So we will be uh, analysing that draw and reflecting on the groups and the games and where England fans are going to be expected to travel to and from because by then we're also going to know where we're going to be stationed uh, and just how many miles on various dodgy overnight Russian trains Mm. will be expected of us all. Um, which are free, I understand. It's free train. It's 500 free trains they're putting I think you're right. And I've had experience of overnight Russian trains. They're not bad. Really? Yeah. Excellent. Let's see if they are just as welcoming 
when it's obvious that you're there to watch football. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> For that, yeah, it might want to be pretending to be, uh, I, I, I don't know, South African cricket fans or something at that point. Not sure why they'd be in Moscow, to be fair. But never mind. <laughs> um, so we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll find a bit more about that and we'll reflect on that in the next episode. We will also see what we learned from the upcoming friendlies at Wembley. Um who knows what is in store for those games? Hopefully, some positive performances, and hopefully, some of the youngsters will get a run out and play well to stake their claims for next year because they are now playing for their places. Um, because, as you said earlier, so there's not many games now until the World Cup proper. No, that's right. Russ, thank you for your time this evening. No, thank you. You've been good as always. Excellent stuff. We will see you all for episode 13 out on the 8th of December. We'll see you then. Come on, England.